0: You're listening to the NFL on TuneIn. It's No Huddle with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Joining us right now from NFL.com and NFL Media Group, it is Michael Fabiano as we talk about all things fantasy football. Michael, you know, in in an article not that long ago, you talked about the fantasy football breakout players. And really, when, when it's all said and done, and I've been in fantasy football for a long time, obviously you have as well, You really these are the guys that get you off to the big starts. I'm a firm believer that the waiver wire is really how you how you finish a season and and get into the playoffs. But finding the breakout stars and projecting those those stocks, kind of like on a stock market, the next big stock to take off, when you can do that, that's how you gain the upper hand on everyone else and get out of the gates quickly. And and you've got a list of several players. And at the top of your list, I think it's very interesting because this flies in the face of conventional fantasy football wisdom. And that is a running back, Leonard Fournette, at number one, despite the fact that he's not exactly running behind the same offensive line that Zeke Elliott ran behind as a rookie with the Dallas Cowboys. Talk about why you made Leonard Fournette your number one breakout star.
1: Well, partially, it's it's going to be volume. Uh, he, he is going to see most of the carries in that backfield, and we've heard Doug Marone say that they just want to run the ball. They would run the ball in every play. Why is that? Well, they've got a guy as talented as Fournette in their backfield, and they've got a quarterback who throws the ball to the wrong team too often in Blake Portal, so they want to be able to control the clock, and they want to do that with Fournette. He will not be Ezekiel Elliott. That does not happen very often. I mean, Zeke's rookie season was on playing with, like, Clinton Portis and Adrian James and Matt Forte. Fournette won't be Zeke. But he will be good enough to be an RB1, RB2, right on that borderline. And is there a risk taking a rookie running back in the first round? Certainly. There absolutely is. Uh, It was worth it last year with Zeke. But, again, that that was an outlier. Uh, Those kind of seasons don't typically happen for rookie running backs. But we've also got a class of rookies that is unbelievable at this position. I was in the draft a couple of nights ago. And five rookie running backs came off the board in the first 40 picks. I don't think that's ever happened before in a fantasy draft that I've ever been in. Uh, I understand that Fournette has some question marks, of course, quarterback, but on the offensive line, I think he's talented enough to at least overcome some of that, and be a guy who can rush for 1,100 yards and eight touchdowns in Jacksonville.
0: You've got, and speaking of, you've got five running backs in your top eight breakout players, and that also includes Kareem Hunt at number three, and obviously his stock went up with, you know, the injury with Spencer Ware. Big time, uh, yep. Yeah, Dalvin Cook at number six with the, with the Vikings, Joe Mixon with the Bengals, and then Christian McCaffrey with the Panthers, especially in PPR leagues. I think he's a big one, but you know, I want to, I want to point to number four, the guy who's not the running back. As a matter of fact, you're only non running back inside your top, uh, top nine. And I love this one, Terrell Pryor. I think mm-hmm. Pryor and, um, And Kirk Cousins are going to be an unbelievable duo this year from a fantasy standpoint and just a regular football standpoint.
1: Yeah, I agree, and his stock has actually dropped a little bit because his preseason wasn't very spectacular, but I don't put too much stock into that. When I mean, you look at a team that lost over 200 wide receiver targets in the offseason and Pierre Garçon and Deshaun Jackson going into new teams, you bring in Terrell Pryor, who had a 1,000-yard season with five quarterbacks in Cleveland, none of which made much of a fantasy impact, uh, and now you upgrade him to Jay Gruden's offense. They're going to throw the football. Kirk Cousins, major upgrade at the quarterback position. And I understand that you also have James and Crowder there and Jordan Reed uh, and Josh Doxson, but I do believe that Terrell Pryor is going to see far, uh, far more targets than any other wide receiver in that offense. And this guy's a beast, uh, and, and what an athletic player, a guy who is a quarterback. I actually started Terrell Pryor as a quarterback in fantasy leagues a few seasons ago with the Raiders, <laughs> and now uh, he is clearly one of the top 20 wide receivers in fantasy football and a guy who is in a very good position uh, to put up career numbers across the board.
2: Michael Anthony Becht here, and let's just stay on the receiver topic. Obviously, it's a a huge loss for the Patriots with Julian Edelman's injury. Uh, We were arguing or, you know, conversating yesterday about who's the next guy, who fills the void, who gets those catches. I seem to think it was collective, but uh, who takes the biggest jump in in the rankings after that?
1: I believe you're right. It is going to be collective, but at wide receiver – Chris Hogan is the player who has seen the biggest jump in value. And Hogan and Edelman are two different players. Uh, Hogan's going to stretch the field a little bit more. Edelman's a guy who's going to play the slot uh, and and see passes in the the middle of the field. But when you look at their wide receivers, Danny Amendola, eh, Amendola has shown flashes in his career, but injuries have always been an issue. Malcolm Mitchell's got some upside too. But I believe Hogan is the best playmaker out of that trio, and he will be the guy who's going to come in and see more snaps, more targets. He will not be Julian Edelman, uh, and as and as you mentioned, this is going to be sort of a collective effort. Now, Brandon Cooks could see some more targets in the offense, and you've got some good pass-catching running backs in New England. James White, the Super Bowl hero. Uh, Deion Lewis is in the mix there as well. Rex Burkhead, uh, that could be a confusing situation from a fantasy perspective, but uh, the Patriots have so many talented pass-catchers in the offense. I wouldn't expect all of Edelman's 150-plus targets from last year to go to just one player. And remember, he did that uh, with Rob Gronkowski out for most of 2016. So Chris Hogan's now clearly on the draft radar, but I still wouldn't take him as more than a four or a five, depending on the size of your league.
2: You know, Michael, my son's uh, 13, and he wanted to have his draft like literally last week. And I told him, man, you got to hold off, you know, yeah, the injuries did. and uh, at the end of the preseason, things start piling up. How do you gauge, uh, for instance, you know, obviously in, in Baltimore and with Indianapolis, with Andrew Luck, you know, how does it affect, uh, you know, looking at those quarterbacks? Number one, when there's so much question and swirling, when exactly they'll come in? And then how does that impact the receivers on those teams as far as, again, when, when people are trying to get their draft again. Together and selecting and figuring out these are, you know, if these are accountable guys or not.
1: Yeah, the, these situations are tough. I, Flacco, it looks like he's going to be back for Week One, and Macklin and Wallace sort of—they haven't moved one way or the other at the wide receiver position. You're not drafting these guys as anything more than probably fours, and Wallace maybe even a five. But the Indianapolis situation is—that is a dubious one because we don't know what Andrew Luck's status is. We don't know if he's going to be under center in week one. At this point, I would guess no. And there's a chance he could end up staying on the PUP list. There's a chance he could miss three starts. We we just don't know at this point. And because of that uncertainty, he's dropped in drafts to the point where he is not even being picked in 10-team leagues in the first 10 rounds. The, The quarterback position is so deep that, You don't really have to take a risk on a guy like Andrew Luck because the position has players like Kirk Cousins, for example, who was a top-ten quarterback last year, probably not going to get drafted until the 10th or 11th round. Dak Prescott, top-ten quarterback last year, probably not going to get drafted until the 9th or 10th round. The position is really deep, so people are not going to risk taking a chance on a player with a bad shoulder who may or may not be under center in the first month of the season. They're just not going to do that, and if you take a chance on him, it's probably going to happen in the 11th round. At that point, I I can absolutely see that. Then you cover yourself with a Stafford or a Cousins. You can do that at the wide receiver position and running back position, you can't fool yourself and think that Scott Tolzien is going to be able to help these guys produce like an Andrew Luck. The talent drop-off is huge. So across the board, you have to concern yourself with T.Y. Hilton, who was a number one fantasy wide receiver. Now he's sort of fallen into the fourth round. And Dante Moncrief, potential breakout guy who always seems to have issues staying healthy, but when he's on the field, he's a touchdown machine. He's dropping in drafts, too. Frank Gore, uh, the the energizer bunny among fantasy running backs, the guy just, he just keeps on going and going and going. But you have to think that Andrew Luck being under center is keeping defenses honest, and with Scott Tolzien under center, that's not going to be the case. I'm seeing every single member of the Colts offense who's draftable in fantasy leagues dropping. Maybe it's not a significant drop. Sometimes it is, but everyone is dropping. It's been a domino effect because we just don't know what the status of luck is, and a lot of people are fearing the worst.
0: I I consider fantasy drafts... I handle fantasy drafts the same way I handle the NFL draft, and that is there are certain guys who I basically say, I'm going to rank them according to, you know, a, a macro view of where they should be ranked, but I'm not touching this guy. I don't care if I think he should be a, a fifth round wide receiver. I simply won't touch him. And I do the same thing on my NFL draft stuff where I say, okay, I'll put a third round or fourth round grade on this wide receiver or offensive tackle, but I would never draft him if I were a general manager. And I think the Colts almost, other than maybe Frank Gore, I think, and, and T.Y. Hilton, and that's only because he's liable to see some volume, I just right. wouldn't touch him. I mean, why in the world would you even take a chance right now at the Colts? Because I don't think there's any way that luck is a factor for the early part of the season.
1: Now, I completely agree with you. And with T.Y., you're right about the volume, because he's going to still see targets. The targets are not going to be coming from luck. They'll be coming from tollsing, but they're targets nonetheless. And he's dropped just a few spots at wide receiver. I'm still seeing him drop it in the top 30 or 40. Uh, with Gore... Everyone after last season talked about how underrated he was in fantasy, and that's been true. But now you're seeing him dropping past the 6th and 7th round, whereas before, when we all thought Luck was going to be fine... He was a top 50 to 60 pick. That's not the case now. And, again, Gore is a guy who's probably going to be leaned on a little bit more often, but is he going to see that eighth man in the box constantly because defenses are going to make Scott Tolzien beat them? And another thing with Gore, too, which you have to remember from last year, we saw Robert Turbin seeing more goal line work and more red zone opportunities, and that's been an issue, and that's going to hurt Gore's ceiling. But you're exactly right. The risk is huge there. Now, it's different with Ezekiel Elliott. Ezekiel Elliott comes at a position that is not nearly as deep uh, as the quarterback position is, and you're starting two or three of these running backs every single week. So even though Zeke, facing a six-game suspension, we'll see what happens with this appeal process, he's still a guy who's coming off the board in the second round. And if you want Zeke Elliott right now as things stand, you're going to have to draft him there.
0: All right. So let's forget about Zeke for a second. Let's talk about the guys who are going to replace him for, you Mm -hmm. know, four, five, maybe six games. And that would be, um, obviously, well, primarily, I guess, Darren McFadden. We'll have to see about Alfred Morris. How do you, how do you draft those guys? What kind of value do you put on guys who could have tremendous starts? Maybe one of those guys gets off to a tremendous start, but you know, it will essentially go away and he'll become nothing more than a handcuff at best after that.
1: Right. McFadden right now, uh, I'm projecting as an 8th or ninth round pick, depending on the size of your league. And, and he's going to be well worth it there. If you do draft Zeke, obviously you're going to want to target run DMC. I mean, if you look at the Cowboys in terms of the running backs over the last five years or so, you had DeMarco Murray, who had that huge season where he let everybody in touches the year before he was a top 10 fantasy running back. People forget about that. Uh, and then the following year, DeMarco goes to Philadelphia and Darren McFadden comes out of basically nowhere. Everyone thought it was Joe Randall's job, but he had a two cent head. McFadden came in and rushed for over a thousand yards and was a very solid RB two. Then what happens last season? Zeke Elliott comes in more talented running back. And this guy is gangbusters a top three player at his position that offense uh, under Scott Linehan and that offensive line have been conducive to running backs succeeding, and it hasn't mattered the talent level. Joe Randall actually wasn't bad uh, when he played. It was maybe four or five games before the Cowboys ended up cutting ties. That offensive line, that offensive scheme, is is just geared towards running backs putting up big numbers. And Darren McFadden is a drop-off from Zeke Elliott. There's no doubt about that. But if you look at the change in some teams from number one to number two, this one's not that bad. I mean, McFadden is going to be started in fantasy leagues every single week until Zeke comes back, even if it's just as a flex because of the system he's in, uh, because he's a talented guy, and because of the offensive line that he's going to be running behind. Now, Alfred Morris, I would say, is more of a late-round flyer. I just believe that McFadden's going to be the bell cow for the Cowboys and you know, he's got the Arkansas ties with the Joneses and he is just the guy that I believe will lead that team in touches out of the backfield until Zeke is back whenever that is.
0: That's Michael Fabiano from NFL Network, NFL Media, NFL.com, just all the NFLs. You can follow him on Twitter (laughs) at Michael underscore Fabiano, F-A-B-I-A-N-O. Michael, thanks for joining us here on NFL. No huddle on NFL on TuneIn. We appreciate it.
1: My pleasure, guys. Take care.